I am excited to open God's Word with you today. We're in Psalm 96. Psalm 96. And uh, we're re, re, um, re-preaching, if I could use that word. Don't know if it's a word, but let's pretend it is. Um, the message is from the beginning of the year. And um, we, we, every year we choose a verse of the year we have over the past few years. Pastor Doug started that when he came to us about eight or nine years ago. And so this year, as we sought the Lord for a verse to see if there would be a verse of the year, he, he brought us into Psalm 96. Last summer, as we looked through, we looked through Colossians, and we really focused on the gospel of Jesus. And what difference does it make for us as a people if we realize that the reason we're here is to declare the gospel and the truth of the gospel, and that this gospel is centered to all that we do, the good news that Jesus came to, to make it possible for our relationship with God to be restored, that, that the love that he extends to us, we could move back into that love because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so, as we looked at the verse of the year, there's cards available. If you didn't get a card, they're out at the Welcome Center. And in the verse is this, Sing to the Lord, and praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. And uh, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. And on the back is this prayer for the year. And let's uh, pray that together, shall we? Dear God, please move in our hearts this year. Help us learn how each of our stories is woven together for your glory. Help us learn how to proclaim your salvation day after day in all we do. Help us declare your marvelous deeds and your glory in all the nations. Help us keep our eyes fixed on you. Please add to our number daily those who are being saved. Amen and amen. So what we've done is we've taken those verses for the year and turned those into a prayer for the year. When we pray back scripture to God, those are, those are prayers that he loves to answer. And while he hasn't added to our number daily those who are being saved, there's been over 50 people this year who've come to a place where they've accepted Jesus as their Savior because we've been declaring his glory in our stories. Amen? Amen. On the back was also written, each of our lives is a story that is being written day by day, and each of our stories is woven into a tapestry that is the great story of God declaring his glory. See, the great story is this. God is declaring his glory. When we look at Scripture, Scripture is a declaration of the glory of God. That's what it is. It's given to us so that we can know his nature. We can know his character. We can know who he is. We can know about his glory. And so many times we read scripture and say, God, I need you to say something to me. And he's saying, let me tell you something about me. And as we get to know who God is, all of a sudden it impacts our lives in a dramatic way. So to realize that there's this amazing story that declares the glory of God. And that each one of us, as uniquely created people of God, are part of that story. You see, we are a part of his amazing story. And his story declares his glory, so our story declares his glory. And and as we learn that, and as we learn to see how, how there's nothing that comes into our life that doesn't come through the loving filter of our God, 
and that everything that comes into our life has been either allowed or decreed by him. And so as we stop and we consider that and we consider how our stories can now begin to declare his glory since our stories are just a small part of his great story. And that's so opposite of how we usually think that God is a part of our story. See, God is much more than a part of our story. It's his story. So we're looking today at this amazing Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. Come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and let everything in them. Then the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. Amen, God. We come before you and we we ask that you help us to open our hearts and our minds, that you take the clutter away, Lord. As we look at your word, God, it's your word that changes our lives. It's your Holy Spirit that illuminates the word for us so that we can see what you're speaking into our lives. God, that when David penned this psalm, you looked forward and knew that we'd be meeting as a group of people to read this and to study it today. Amazing, God. Thousands of years later, living and active words, waiting to change our lives. May we go away from here differently, Lord, because we've been in your presence and because we've allowed you to speak. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 96. And our big idea for today is that a new song declares the glory of God. A new song declares the glory of God. And by its very implication, when we read new song, we understand there was an old song, right? If if there's a new song, there's a song that was old. And, you know, and and the old song, you know, nobody knows, you know, but (laughs) Charles Spurgeon used to say, when you talk about heaven, put on a a shiny face. When you talk about hell, your, your everyday face will do. And see, your new song has that heaven face. Your your new song, when you sing that, your face lights up. Something shows in your life when you start singing your new song. When you sing your old song, your face naturally goes to that old song face, and you begin to relive the things that are causing you the pain and that are part of the old song. But when you, when you sing this new song, see, things change, and your, your countenance changes. 
And, and it begins to show in your life. So what is this new song? David in, in Psalm chapter 40 verse 3 says, you put a new song in my mouth. You put a, a new song in my mouth. See, God has placed that new song in your mouth. If you've come to a place where you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and you've recognized and realized that he's the only way that you can be reconciled in your relationship with God, then God has placed a new song in your mouth. And it's a song of victory. It's a song of majesty. It's a song of declaration of praise to God. It's, it's a song that, that goes through the filter of the word of God that comes out of your heart and your life. It, it's a song of joy. It's a song of the spirit. It's a new song. And a new song declares the glory of God. So what is the content of the new song? Now the first is that the majesty of the Lord the majesty of the Lord. And, and we see that in the first six verses, that it talks about the majesty of the Lord. Now this, this psalm is a, is a significant psalm. The chronicler, as he, as he recorded in Chronicles, he records for us that this was one of the psalms that David commissioned to be sung when the Ark of the Covenant was brought into Jerusalem. And we need to remember, and if you've read through Quiet Waters with us, you know that that the, the book of Chronicles is actually the last book in the Hebrew Scriptures. And so we've, we've conveniently relocated it, and, and that causes us to miss the power of it, I believe. When we read it at the end, we realize that the, the, the book of Chronicles was written to the post-exilic nation of Israel. Big word. The, the people of Israel who had come back from exile. Okay, so you'll remember that that the nation of Israel was sent away from Jerusalem into Babylon, and they were there, and then, and then under Cyrus, they, they came back, and they began to rebuild the temple, and they rebuilt the walls, and, and then people started to come back. And so Chronicles was written to this group of people to remind them of the wonderful truths of the temple and the worship of God and what it meant to worship God. And so in, in this reliving and in this position, we find the Psalm of David is given to that post-exilic nation. And you can imagine for them that, that they could be wondering, is this really, who, who's, who's God? How did we get? And this Psalm in the midst of this brought them great assurance that the Lord reigns and that he's majestic and he's sovereign. And so David takes this song and commissions it. And I would love to, Gabe, wouldn't you love to know the melody that went with this psalm? You know, I, I know, you know, so many times we think, new song, go to church, learn a new song. I like the old songs, you know. But, but you know, if you think of what was, the, what was the melody that David wrote that went with this psalm, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Okay. I have no idea where I am. All right, great. Majesty of the Lord rises up a new song. First, we see praise his name. Praise his name. And, and that means bless his name. It means to bless the name of God. And stop to think about how many times in your life, how many times during the course of your day, do you stop and consider how can I be a blessing to God? How can I bless God in the midst of what's happening here? How can I bring a blessing to God? So many times I'm tempted to be looking for blessings from God. And I've defined what those blessings are and what they look like. And, 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 and I've given him a list. And, and so please, Lord, bless me. But, but listen, if, if we're going to have a new song, the new song blesses God. 
The new song praises him. Proclaim his salvation, it goes on to say. Proclaim his salvation day after day. This word proclaim, when, when the psalm was written, of course it was written in Hebrew, and then many years later it was translated into Greek, the Septuagint that we have. And as it was translated into Greek, this word that's, that's used here, proclaim, is the same word that in the New Testament is evangel. So it means to show forth, it means to, to evangel, to, to evangelize people, to tell them the truth of God's salvation. Psalm 98, verse 1, if you turn over one page, Psalm 98, 1 says, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he's done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. I don't know about you, but I have that underlined, for him. Salvation is for him. And and our verse that we're looking at says proclaim his salvation. So many times we think of salvation as ours, don't we? And, And there's a degree of truth to that. We get that. But it's his salvation. He saves us. It's his salvation. And, and when we, again, begin to get our, that new song puts God in the proper perspective, and when we begin to understand that, we begin to see that, <laughs> can I tell you about the salvation that God brought into my life? Can I tell you about his salvation? See, that, that's what it means to evangelize people. It means to tell them about the salvation that God has brought into your life and the salvation that's possible for their life. And when we have this new song, we begin to have our story declaring that to each person that we meet. Declare his glory among the nations. State it officially, publicly, strongly, confidently, formally, clearly, explicitly. Declare that God is glorious and he has done marvelous deeds. Is that what you declare boldly? Do you you declare that to people? So we see, as David starts this, he starts with a threefold sing, 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 sing praise, sing proclamation, sing declaration. The salvation that belongs to God. His marvelous deeds. His marvelous deeds are act of victory that reveal his love. So how can my story contain this new song to the Lord? How does my story begin to declare this new song? And how does it fill my story? The second thing we see, remember, we're looking at the truth that a new song declares the glory of God. The second thing, the majesty of the Lord is supreme. The majesty of the Lord is supreme. It is is of the highest degree, the majesty of God. He's great. He's worthy of praise. He's to be feared. He's above all gods. There's a line in in the psalm that says, for all the gods of the nations are idols. All the gods of the nations are idols. That means the United States as well. All the gods of our nation are idols. So what are the gods of our nation? See, Paul tells us that behind every idol there's a demon. And demons are longing to draw worship away from God and have worship brought to Satan. And so the idols in our lives, the the idols, those things that we give priority to over God, the things that we ascribe worth to over God, those things cause us then to be worshiping Satan. 
And when I, when I think about this country and what the idols are in our day and age, I wonder if, if you would agree that entertainment and self-sufficiency are two pretty predominant idols for our nation. Entertainment has been, become something we crave. We, we strive to be entertained. We place athletes in, in high regard. We, we, we take, we, we take um, artists, we, we, you know, American Idol and The Voice and all these things, and, and we take reality shows, and it becomes entertainment for us. And so many times, the things that are detestable to God become our entertainment. Our news media has become entertainment. And so as we look at this and we see this, it's become an idol to us that we, we need to be entertained, finding, finding times to stop and read and critically think and, and be involved in relationships. Those things are all moving away because I just need to be entertained. I find myself trapped in this. I'll get done with a, a long day and I'll think, I just want to veg out, right? Which means I just need to be entertained. This self-sufficiency piece, this thing that, that what's most important is what I feel I need right now. And it's become an idol for us. You know, and we, we feel like we should be able to get what we need when we want it and how we want it. And, and, and it's become an idol in our lives. And those are idols of our country. And they stand exactly opposed to God. And I think we may all be glad that the election's only nine or ten days away. But in the midst of it all, we're hearing these things like, let's make America great again. With all due respect, church, let's make God great again. And, and, and let's... Let's let him worry about America and what greatness even looks like for America. You do understand we're not in here, right? I mean, as important as we are, you'd think we'd be on the first page. (laughs) That was sarcasm in case, okay. Let's make God great again. Imagine if we got as passionate about that as what we've been seeing in the news. So all the, all the gods of the nations are idols, but, David says, the Lord made the heavens. <laughs> I love that. Just a little line. Oh, by the way, the Lord made the heavens. Do you have any idea what's involved in that? The Lord made the heavens. It's like, we read it like a byline, but it's like, 70,000 million, million, million stars. That's what they've decided. There are 70,000 million, million, million stars. Now, to put that in perspective, because I know if you're like me, it's like, what's that? It's like seven with 22 zeros. Okay, that helps. All right, so imagine, how many of you, you know, you go to Florida, right? Sanibel. And you go down to the beach, and you, you pick up a scoop of sand, and you start counting. One... Two, three, four. And you start counting the grains of sand. If you counted the grains of sand on earth, there are ten times more stars than there are grains of sand. What? 
Think about that. Do you ever look at a beach and think of counting the grains of sand? Something great to send your teen to do, you know? But <laughs> my mom and dad used to do stuff like that to me all the time. But okay, so 10 times as many stars. And by the way, they're saying that, you know, the truth is that's all we know about. It could be that they're infinite. Could be. 70,000 million, million, million stars. And do you know how they got where they are? God said, stars. <laughs> By the word of your mouth were the heavens formed, or were they made? Psalm 33 tells us, stars. <laughs> 70,000 million, million. Do you know that if you take 10 drops of water, 10 drops of water, there are 70,000 million, million, million molecules in those 10 drops of water. I don't know how you count those. The Lord made the heavens. God made the heavens. Listen, what this verse tells us is, and, and what the illustration here is, and I hope you're catching it, is that God made the heavens that are so immense they can't even begin to number the stars, and then there's every possibility that they go on forever. <laughs> and so that means that God is that big. And then the fact that there's that many molecules in the drops of water means that God is that involved in every detail of his creation. That means whatever you have in your life right now that you feel may be too big for God to handle, really? But it also means that there's nothing in your life that is so small that God isn't concerned about it. He's walking right alongside of you right next to you in the midst of everything you do. Our God is transcendent. He is more than we could even begin to imagine. He is incredibly vast and majestic, but he is also imminent. He is right with you in the midst of everything that you're experiencing. But God made the heavens. The majesty of the Lord is supreme Splendor and majesty are before him, you think? <laughs> Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. In his sanctuary, I think of walking into the presence of God, walking into the throne room of God. What would it be like to walk into the throne room of God and be in his sanctuary? Can you imagine the glory and the amazing aspect of all that God is. So how do I rehearse the majesty of God? How does this new song that declares the majesty of God, how do I rehearse that song all often in my life so that it becomes the first thing off my lips? How does my story reveal that the Lord is supreme in my life? A new song declares the glory of God. The third thing we see is the sovereignty of God compels us to give. 
The sovereignty of God compels us to give. He is the supreme ruler. And I think this is so interesting that David would be writing this psalm because David was a king. And he was a king of quite an empire. The Israeli nation at that point in time when, when, when David was king was a, a significant kingdom. And so he would have understood what it meant to be sovereign. He would have understood what it meant for people to come and bow down to him. He would have understood all of these things. He would have understood that he was the ruler. And yet, he recognizes that God rules over him. And so he says, ascribe to the Lord, O family of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. So it's this idea of giving. Ascribe means to give, to, to attribute to, to, to give to. To give to this to the Lord. The glory due his name. See, and that means that I need to be thinking of what does it mean for me to give God the glory. You remember he says he won't share his glory with another. And so, so if I try to take that glory on myself that belongs to him, I need to be giving it to him and so many times ascribing it to him, the hardest part of that is to rip away from ascribing it to me. So ascribe it to God. The glory do his name. Malachi chapter 1 verse 11, God says this, my name will be great among the nations. What he's saying there is the essence and the character of all that I am, all that God is, the essence of all that he is will be great among the nations. From the rising to the setting of the sun in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord God Almighty. God is due great glory. God is due great honor. It's what's worthy of his name. And this idea of bringing an offering. And when I preached this message at the beginning of the year, I talked about how the illustration for that is if we get invited over to a, somebody's house, first question Karen asks is, what can I bring? And the person usually responds with nothing, which then puts us into a quandary. Because now we have to find something that looks like nothing that we can bring. Because you can't come with nothing and you can't bring something because they said you couldn't bring something. And, and they usually say, just bring Chuck. And she says, that's not good enough. And, so, and we understand that. But what do you bring to the Lord? What is it that you bring to the Lord? How many times do you come empty-handed to the Lord and you say, Lord, come, give, give to me. I've come so you can give to me. And, and, and understand that God longs for us to do that. But, but how many times do I bring something to him? How often do my prayers start with, God, I brought you this. I didn't want to come empty-handed and I didn't want to come bringing nothing. I wanted to bring something and so I brought you this. I brought you a word of praise. I brought you a word of adoration. I brought you my faith. I brought trust. I brought, I brought something for you. And I long to bless you with what I've brought to you. It's an offering. And that offering is a sacrifice. David would have understood this offering as being a sacrifice. So what do I sacrifice and bring to the Lord? 
as we prepare to come and gather this morning, as you, as you got in your cars, what did you prepare to bring with you into this assembly? Or, or did you come ready to take something away? And please, I hope you do take something away. But what did you bring? And what do we bring? Because that's what this is all about. What can I bring to the king? Bring an offering. Because listen, understanding the sovereignty of God, it compels you. It leaves you no choice but to give, to bring, and to offer, to worship. Worship, bow down before him. Tremble before his presence. And I think that that means a couple of things. If I walked in the throne room of God, I'd be like, Ooh. you know, but, but like if I'm gone from Karen for a while, like days, and I come home and I see her and I'm just like, ooh, it's so good to see you. It's like that kind of trembling too, you know? She does the same thing. We just tremble and go, oh, it's so good to see you. <laughs> All sorts of trembling going on, yeah. Right. <laughs> tremble before him, all the earth. You know, every knee's going to bow. Every knee's going to come and it's going to tremble before him and part of it's going to be an adoration. Part of it's going to be like, I'm so excited to see you. And part of it's going to be like, oh my goodness. That's the beauty of God. We'll spend forever coming to know him. So how does my story reveal my compulsion to give generously to the Lord? Are you a compulsively generous person in the way that you give? Fourth, the sovereignty of God brings peace. It brings peace. And it's there. It says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world's firmly established and can't be moved. The Lord reigns. Three words that bring peace into your life if you truly understand what it means. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Can I suggest there's two sides to that coin? Uh, of, of the truth of that. First, the Lord reigns. So what is it that's happening in your life right now that's causing you to feel as though the world is shaken? Because it says the world is firmly established. What is it that's coming to your life that, that just causes you to feel as though the whole world is shaken? The Lord reigns. You're wrestling with aging parents. The Lord reigns. We prayed over Adam Nielsen last week with a cancer surgery. The Lord reigns. People step into eternity. The Lord reigns. My finances are, are in a devastating place. The Lord reigns. I can't stand my job. The Lord reigns. I'm in troubled relationship right now. The Lord reigns. See, that peace comes when you understand that nothing has come into your life that hasn't gone through the loving filter of a God who created you and knit you together. It has either come into your life because he has allowed or decreed it. And he reigns over it. And that brings peace. You see, this isn't heaven. We try to make it heaven, but it's not. 
And the Lord reigns over this chaos. But he has a place of perfect and permanent peace. And it's coming for us. And don't worry, Christine, it's all good. Olivia, you remember when we dedicated Olivia? Oh, she's a doll. The Lord reigns. What's the other side of the coin? The Lord reigns. I don't. See, that's the other side of the coin. That's the less comfortable side, isn't it? But do you have any idea how much peace comes into your life when you allow God to reign in your life? When you realize it's not your job to fix every problem? When you realize that, that God is sovereign over this and he's reigning and you recognize his reign in your life and you're not butting up against his commands and his decrees all the time and you're, and you're not falling outside of his grace? Do you realize how much peace that brings into your life to say the Lord reigns? Finally, the sovereignty of God brings rejoicing. It talks about here the heavens rejoicing, the earth being glad, the sea resounding, and the trees of the field. Why? Because God is coming to judge the world in righteousness. Revelation 19, I saw heaven open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True with justice. He judges and makes, uh, makes war. His name is the Word of God. The word of God, Lord Jesus, come back to judge all this. He's going to judge this all, and he's going to judge it in righteousness. And he doesn't need me to judge it for him. And so many times in my life I get wrapped up in the judgment of things when I can release that, and it brings rejoicing. When I understand that the things that I feel are out of order, I could just release that to him. He's the judge. He will repay. He will set this right. I don't need to make everything right in the world. That's a heavy load, and God said he'd do it. He did the stars by saying, stars, I think he can make everything right. And so we rejoice that he will judge, and he will make all of it right, and he turns the chaos into order. And so creation sings. Creation sings. What does that look like? What does that look like? And the last week I was, I was up north and helping Charlie with a project and, and we were set up out on the patio outside and I was out there and we had some material out there and it sounded like it started raining and I thought, oh no, this material is going to get damaged so I'm looking for something to cover it with and I'm looking. It's not raining, but it sounds like it's raining. I was looking around, what's going on? All of a sudden I realize the leaves are falling and the sound they're making sounds like rain. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever heard a leaf fall? You know what you have to do in order to hear a leaf fall? You have to close your mouth. You have to shut down the outside world. And you have to listen. And when you listen closely, creation is singing. And creation sings a song of praise like you have never heard before. It doesn't hold back. Waves 
crash on the shore and sing the praise of God. Leaves fall in a deafening way. We begin to see the beauty of God as it's declared by the creation that he's made. Karen and I have been blessed this year. In our window well outside the house, we've got a salamander. And, and we, we talked for quite a while and decided to call her Sally. Uh, <laughs> seemed appropriate. We don't know if it's a her or he. I'm not sure how to check that on a salamander. But... Um, so we've got this salamander living in the window well and, and Karen feeds it crickets and all this stuff and, you know, it's, it's on Facebook if you want to see it. So, uh, but I was watching the salamander yesterday. What an amazing thing. It's got like these little elbows and things and, and it walks like this and, and it goes to eat and it gets a leaf in its mouth and then it's trying to figure out how to, you know, and I'm watching this thing and, And I'm going, God made that salamander for us. Just for us. It's in a window well for crying out loud. And you know, it's like, it's amazing to see what God has made. Somebody was telling me that they were out doing work in the yard and they heard the same thing, some leaves rattling. So they didn't know what it was and they looked over and there was a fox just walking carefully across the top of the leaf. Creation sings. Creation sings the song that declares the glory of God. Romans says that the creation waits in eager expectation. John Phillips in his translation says, in my opinion, Paul speaking, whatever we may have to go through now is less than nothing compared with the magnificent future God has planned for us. Amen. The whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own. All of creation is on tiptoe. Don't you love that illustration? To be on tiptoe, creation is on its tiptoes waiting for God to be revealed. Are we joining in with creation? See, let our stories declare his glory. Whatever's happening in your life, I promise you that God is right there with you. And if you look, if you see, if you appreciate his majesty and his glory, if your new song is on your lips, you will declare the glory of God. And in the midst of whatever you're experiencing, God's name will be given great glory. And stand on your tiptoes if you need to when you tell people. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. You want to sing that now, don't you? Come on, let's do it. All right, and should you find yourself on your tiptoes with all creation, (laughs) hold on to your balance. Lord God, how we praise you, how we adore you, how we magnify your name, for you alone are worthy. Lord, help our stories declare your glory. Help every aspect of our life, Lord, declare your unbelievable glory as we together now stand and proclaim that you are our God. Amen.